Welcome back to Squared Sports Podcast. On those his podcast lane, Frank, we now have 118. Yes, sir, 118 episodes through. And I got action packed episode planned for you. UConn, from the men's national championship in college basketball, wrapping up our college basketball season, which wrapped up opening week and then will be NBA regular season coming to an end this week. And so much more. Stay tuned for an action packed episode 118. Let's hop into it. Let's start out episode 18, how we always do with the headlines in the NBA. The Lakers are obviously in the playoffs now. And it's looking like they're going to be in the playoffs, already in the play-in. But can they make the playoffs get out of the play-in? And then there's talk about winning a championship. That's a broad consideration because you see Anthony Davis have a good game. But this is his best stretch in maybe three years since the bubble season. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to win a finals. I don't know if that happens. Doesn't mean LeBron's going to win his fifth championship just because... They're playing well, and he's been somewhat healthy coming off the bench. Now he's going to start again, which is interesting in my opinion. So, Lakers kind of got my hopes up two years ago when LeBron had that great season. Then he gets hurt. That was the year after they won the championship. Then they come into playoffs as a seventh seed. I picked them to win it all that year. They lost in the first round to the Suns. I hope that doesn't happen again this year. I just hope people don't get their hopes up because we've seen this before from the Los Angeles Lakers where they have a good stretch after having a horrible season, and we think they're going to win the championship, and then they flop. So, that's, that's my take right there. Do you think the Lakers have a chance at winning the title? The Mavericks obviously look like they're outside of the plan right now. Looking in, but it's horrible. You have a great season last year, making the Western Conference Finals, exceeding expectations, and then you make a bold move this year, and you go below average. I don't know what fixes that. We're going to talk about it later on in the episode. Mavericks have a few issues to hash out this offseason, in my opinion. Sacramento Kings, whew, what a great season they had. Mike Brown, turn this franchise around. I made an Instagram post about it. Follow Squared Sports to Instagram, at Squared Sports. Posting once a day on there, more than once a day, but obviously follow that. I talked about the Kings, what a great ride they've had. How Mike Brown's kind of a swing the fences kind of higher because he's had some great seasons. And he's had some really bad seasons as a head coach. This season looking like it's a great season. DeMontis Sabonis, MVP candidate. De'Aaron Fox turning things around in his career. I love that from the Kings right there. What a great season they're having. KD, obviously back for the Suns now, kind of on that linear path that they're on. When they got KD, they're about the 8th seed, then they moved up to the 4th seed, and now they're staying at that 4th seed, probably going into the playoffs, which is good for them. Definitely a chance to win a title with Kevin Durant on their squad. New York Knicks, without Julius Randle, from injured, makes the playoffs. Second time in the past three years, New York Knicks have clinched the playoff appearance. Amazing right there. Love to see it. Jalen Brunson, what a great sign that was for them. Luke Doncic even said, oh, I miss Jalen Brunson a lot. I wish we still had him. I'm glad to have them as a New York Knicks fan. The Brooklyn Nets, obviously, what a turnaround they've kind of had from being one of the best teams in the NBA then having one of the worst rosters in the NBA. Still in that playoff opportunity, though. Mikael Bridges is going to play 83 games this season. I think it's the most ever. What a great the thing that is by Mikael Bridges right there. You can call him Iron Man. First of minutes in the NBA also. So Mikael Bridges really became a star in Brooklyn. Let's see if you can keep that going. But I love that right there from the Brooklyn Nets. Kind of that chip on their shoulders saying, hey, we know we're not the most talented team. We were. And maybe at one point, the most talented team. We know we're not anymore, but we're still going to go into that playoff with the mindset that we're going to beat you. I like that right there from the Brooklyn Nets. Toronto Raptors, they were kind of in tank for Wemby mode at one point. Tank for Victor Manyama. if you saw that three-point dunk the other day. That's besides the point. But now they're in the playoff conversation. They trade a first-round pick. They got Jakob Pertl. A little bit interesting right there, kind of giving up a lot to go for a guy like that. And now they're in playoff conversation. But do you want to be in that 7-8 seed spot, maybe go to a seven-game series and lose that first-round series, or do you want to get a generational talent in this upcoming draft? I don't know. Raptors fans, let me know on that in the comments section. Let's move to the NFL. We still have some free agency NFL draft stuff going on. Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, these two guys really still waiting on some news. Lamar Jackson is going to stay 
in the Baltimore with the Ravens. Same with Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be coming to New York Jet? Because it seemed imminent about two weeks ago that we're going to get the news at any moment. Now we haven't gotten that news. Maybe we get it by right now, but I don't know. Mar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, interesting situation with them right now. This draft class, everybody for quarterbacks, it looks great for some of these guys, and that looks bad for some of these guys. Let me say why. You see Anthony Richardson, you see Will Loves. These guys look great in shorts, throwing a football without pads at a defense if you're just throwing it 70 yards down the field. For CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, they can't do that. They don't have the physical ability to throw the ball 80 yards downfield and make it look like it's nothing with the flick of the wrist like Will Loves and Anthony Richardson can. But the thing that Bracing and CJ Stroud can do is they can be accurate on the field with pads, improvise with pads on, improvise other things outside of the 40-yard dash, unlike Andy Richardson and Will Levis. Which side are you on? Are you like the side where you love the physical gifts, you can run a 4-3-40 as a quarterback, throw the ball 80 yards, or do you want to see a quarterback actually making plays inside of a game, actually winning games? That's what Will Levis and Andy Richardson couldn't do in college. That's what Bracing and CJ Stroud did do in college. So think, think about it right there. Let's move to the MLB where we had a very great First week. I want to start out with this. Jacob DeGrom, opening day, Texas Rangers. Everybody's excited. They're playing the Phillies, familiar foe for him. How's it going to go? He pitched horrible. But what I loved about Texas Rangers is they put up 11 runs for him. That's the one thing the Mets couldn't do. If Jacob DeGrom went eight innings, no hitter, they would still probably lose that game with the New York Mets. With Texas Rangers, he can give up five home runs. And his team will win that game for him. I think he maybe likes that. I think it was maybe a psychological thing at some point for the New York Mets where it's like, oh, Jacob DeGrom's back? Oh, we, we can't score. Jacob DeGrom's back. We're not going to score for him. Texas Rangers want to score for him, unlike New York Mets. What a horrible start he had. What a great start the Texas Rangers offense is having. It's a very underrated team, in my opinion. Josh Young, great third baseman. Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, a really interesting team to look out for. In the future, great new manager. Really like it from the Texas Rangers. Jacob DeGrom. Aaron Judge obviously got off to a hot start for San Francisco Giants. First swing of the bat of the season. Home run. Yankees, Andy Volpe. Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole. They're off to a good start right now. For the New York Mets, Max Scherzer had a decent opening day. Got the win. But obviously the bad news that opening day was the Justin Verlander injury. But you still get some good news. Kodai Senga has a good start a few days later. You know, some issues with New York Mets, I could say, is Carlos Carrasco's pitching. Or maybe David Peterson, he's good, but is he a great pitcher? I don't know. Justin Verlander, that's going to be a hold fill for the next 15 games ever it might be with him out. So that's tough for you right there. Shohei Otani doing nothing. That doesn't surprise us, in my opinion. I mean, still in home runs, still pitching the ball 100 miles an hour. It's not even a surprise at this point. So amazing. Best player in baseball, Shohei Otani, carrying off what he did in the WBC into the MLB season. Can he win MVP? Trout and Otani, that's a deadly duo. Pitching and hitting. Love that right there. That's about for the headlines this week. Now, take of the week. This week's take of the week is about the Yukon Huskies, everybody. Your 2022-2023 national champions. Let's give them a round of applause. Danny Hurt, what a coach. What a program. Yukon is always with a chip on their shoulder. You know how I can prove that? They were unranked coming into the season. They are the first unranked preseason national champion since UConn in 2011. That UConn 2011 team was also unranked coming into the preseason. Jim Calhoun's last season as a head coach. They won the national championship that year. So the last preseason unranked national champion for this year was UConn. Always with a chip on their shoulder. Always a great team. Kemba Walker, Kevin Nolley days, Jim Calhoun days. Now you get the Danny Hurley days. Adama Sonogo, great player. Jordan Hawkins, great player. Tristan Newton, great player. Great squad this was. I really loved Alex Caravan. UConn, dominant this whole tournament. I thought they were such a well-rounded team all season, but I never would have thought this. 
Start of the season, you know, you lose to Alabama. You have to interesting start. And then you get to number two in the rankings by December. Then you lose. It's a little bit interesting that you lose in December. You fit, kind of fall off the cliff a little bit. Lose to Creighton. You lose to Xavier a few more times. And you're back to unranked. Then you hop back into the rankings just to lose in the biggest tournament all over again and end up as a four seed. Now, some people had you come winning it all still because they saw great defense and great offense. One of those people, Jay Bills of ESPN, he had UConn winning it all. That's a great pick. I did not see UConn winning it all. I had them losing the Elite Eight to Gonzaga, which they beat Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. So, close enough. Still, though, UConn dominated the whole tournament. You can say what you want, that they played an average of a 60 the whole entire tournament. I don't care. I love it right here from the UConn Huskies. They battled. Danny Hurley, college basketball legend now. Something his brother can't say, Bobby Hurley, as a coach. Bobby Hurley, obviously a great player. As dad, obviously a great coach. Damian Hurley was always the one in the family who never really was a college basketball legend. Now he is a college basketball legend as a coach, cementing his legacy at UConn. Golf to a rough start. His first year he's at UConn. Now he's great at UConn. Just amazing, everybody. Blue blood for UConn. No debate about it. Five national championships past 25 years. Not many programs can say that. I think the only other two that can say that are Duke and UCLA. And those are, without doubt, blue bloods. UConn is a blue blood. No debate about it. I love this right here. UConn, chip on their shoulder. Blue blood. That's about for taking the week this week. Now, top five. This week's top five is top five NBA MVP cans entering the playoffs. So, kind of my NBA MVP predictions. We're going to see what happens the rest of this week in the NBA. You'll see my award ceremony next week's sports award ceremony for the NBA. But right now, top five NBA MVP cans. Best players all season. Let's hop into it. Number five, Luka Doncic. 31 points per game. That's amazing. But nothing else pops out to me. Not a great leader. Didn't carry this team much this season. Did so much last season. And then you get a star for him. Kyrie Irving. It doesn't do anything. So you can't lead your team to playoffs. You're not the most valuable, in my opinion. Now, say that they were in the four seed, three seed spot. I might even have him win the whole thing, thing because without him, they're not a playoff team. With him, they're not even a playoff team. So I don't know what I can say right there. Luka, number five. Still a good season individually, but as team-wise, I can't put him there. Number four, Jason Tatum. At one point, was the lean candidate. Still a great player. Still making all-NBA team. I love it right here. Great season for Jason Tatum. Number three, Joel Embiid. Here's why. I have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic above him. Those are the top two. I have Joel Embiid at number three because if you take him away from that team, you can still win a lot of games. You still have James Harden. You still have all these guys. You can still win games. And also... Most of his points are coming from the free throw line every night. Something that I don't love to see as an MVP candidate. Giannis doesn't do that. Nicole Jokic doesn't do it as much. All Joel Embiid really has is scoring and rebounding. And the scoring can be falsified because of the fouls. So I don't know. That's something that can be changed. I think if you take him off that team, they're not. They still are a playoff team. I can't say the same for the Bucks and Nuggets. Number three, Joel Embiid. Number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is an all-level player. He's always been an all-level player. Like you said today. I think they just don't want me winning it because I've won it too much. I'm too familiar of a face. That's why I'm not in the number one conversation. But I'll give you respect, Giannis. Number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Great player. Take him off that Bucks team. I don't know where they are. And number one, Nikola Jokic. Impacts the game on every single facet. Wins his third straight MVP. As of right now, I have him winning it. Impacts the game. Passing-wise. Rebounding-wise. Scoring-wise. Every-wise, in my opinion. Defensive-wise. Like you said, all three games aren't meant for me. Winning awards like this are meant for me. You take him off that Nuggets team, I don't know where he is. It's called the most valuable player. Not the most outstanding player. The most valuable player. That's why I have the Nuggets right here. That's why I have Nikola Jokic as my MVP pick for this year. Still a great team, Nuggets. I want to see how they do in the playoffs. Because Nikola Jokic really has never done that much in the playoffs. I want to see if he can finally now. Great player, Nikola Jokic. 
I love it right here. Wins his third straight MVP. I kind of disagreed with him winning it the past two years. I want him to win it now, this year. I think he deserves the most this year out of any of the years. Let's go. One, Kali Jokic. That's about for top five this week. Now, did you know this week's day? No, it's a great one. Did you know you can't wear number six, seven, eight, or nine in college basketball? Now, the reasoning behind it is going to blow your mind. Because you go to the scorer's table, you say, okay, foul on number nine, you're going to have to do five and four. That can be interpreted as 54. I guess in the NBA, players don't wear numbers like 54, so it's not an issue for them. But in college basketball, it can be. You can't wear number six, seven, eight, or nine in college basketball. Kind of crazy. Didn't know that. Leave that in the comments section. And then you think about it. Have you ever really seen a player wearing six, seven, eight, or nine? It seems like it's so obvious that they would. But you think about it. No, they really haven't. That's a crazy rule. Look it up. Blew my mind. Didn't know that. Leave down in the comment section. Okay, now the spotlight for this week's episode is Luka Doncic. Now are wondering why is Luka Doncic the spotlight? I've always been a very not critical person of Luka Doncic. I've always liked Luka Doncic's game, everything about him. I've never really critiqued him too much in the show until about now. Because now he has a good situation in Dallas. He has Kyrie Irving. He has all these players. Now, Kyrie Irving obviously isn't a great person to deal with, and that may be why he's in this situation. But if people say it, it's not a joke anymore that he messes around during games, that he gets all these technicals, that he's out of shape, that he's this, and that he's that. Yes, he's still an amazing player dropping 31 a night, but how does he impact you in the fourth quarter if he drops 27 in the third quarter, and then maybe only four in the fourth quarter? That's the thing right there. Luka Doncic can be a great player for you, can be good in clutch situations, We've all seen him hit the buzzer beaters, whether it's against the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Blazers. I, those are three great ones that he has right there. But still, Luka Doncic has issues, and they need to be hashed out. I don't know how that gets fixed this offseason, because now he's an all-max player. Now he has his money. Now he has everything. I'm not saying that they would ever trade him or get rid of him. I just think that maybe he gets start to fed up with the situation. He gets fed up with the situation in Dallas, which he's really the problem, after all, that he needs to fix some things. Just saying that right there. Luka Doncic, Mark Cuban, Kyrie Irving. This is a trio that needs to figure out some things. And all centers back at Luka, who's the centerpiece of this franchise, rightfully so, has been since 2018. He's amazing. Still, need to have the conversation that some of this, maybe all of this, can be on him, in my opinion. That's about for Spotlight this week. Leave your thoughts in the comments. Now, it's April, everybody. The month of April is all about... NFL draft, nothing else. You have the first week of April where you're talking about national championship, and then you shift all your gears over to NFL draft. NFL draft, mock draft episode, I guess the week before the draft, is always my favorite episode to do because it's breaking down everything that goes on in the NFL draft, breaking down every 32 picks. I'm not breaking down all 32 picks right here right now. I'll break down the first five and we'll do a quick mock draft. But I just want to give you a sneak peek of the NFL draft. Really my favorite thing to talk about, one of my favorite things to talk about on the show haven't done it so much this year as we've done in the past, but still, love the NFL draft. Here's my mock draft. Let's hop into it. Pick number one it goes to the Carolina Panthers. I like them taking CJ Stroud, kind of giving it away already. Josh McCown, Frank Reich. I think they just really want CJ Stroud in their locker room. Number one, CJ Stroud. That's a good pick for you right there. Number two, Texans. D'Amico Ryan said, I don't find issue with Bryce Young's height. D'Amico Ryan's is kind of a guy who I think doesn't care about what Will Levis, Anthony Richardson can do in shorts. He cares more about what Bryce Young can do in pads. I think that's the thing right there. He takes Bryce Young as his franchise quarterback. Sorry, Davis Mills. Not your time. Number three, Arizona Cardinals. They could trade this pick to either the Baltimore Ravens, somebody else. I think Panthers 
there's obviously issues with that right now with the number one pick. Maybe they even trade back. That's an interesting thing right there. But a lot of other teams trying to trade up. Maybe the New England Patriots. Maybe they're fed by Mac Jones. Rumors about that today. But I think they stay put at number three. They take Will Anderson Jr., defensive end, most safe pick of the draft outside the quarterback position. I live right here. Will Anderson, number three. Now, number four, Indianapolis Colts. Colts need a quarterback desperately. Colts, the uh, high-flying type of quarterback, a guy who can get the ball to Michael Pittman, get the ball to John Taylor, get the ball to all these guys, and then do a little bit himself. And the guy for that job is Will Levis. I love this pick right here. Sorry, Anthony Richardson, you're not in this top five. You're not even going number five. Four, Will Levis to the Indianapolis Colts. And pick number five, to round it out. Seattle Seahawks seems like a no-brainer. Jalen Carter, I say no to that pick. Jalen Carter said, I'm only mean with top 10 teams. I'm not mean with anybody else. What if a top 10 team wants to trade down to a non-top 10 team and they want to pick you? You didn't meet with them. Jalen Carter did horrible at the combine because he just got out of his arrest warrant. Obviously, that horrible situation. I don't want to get into that. He did horrible as pro day. Looked horrible. Tested horrible. Couldn't even finish his drills. This is not a guy I want in my locker room. Everyone was always flaming Todd McShay back in December when he said, Jalen Carter has character issues. I'm not saying Jalen Carter has character issues because there's obviously some great stories that came about, about him too. But obviously, the bad stories too. John Carter, I don't know how he does in a football field in the NFL. I think the safer pick right here is a guy coming out of that Clemson program, really great defensive end, which I think the Seahawks need more than a defense tackle like Jalen Carter. I think they take Miles Murphy, defensive end, out of Clemson. Sorry, Tyree Wilson. I think you could have been a good pick right here too at Texas Tech. Really a raw talent, kind of like the Trayvon Walker this year's NFL draft, uh, Tyree Wilson. But I like them going with Miles Murphy at pick number five to round out the mock draft. So we got CJ Stroud, number one to the Panthers, Bryce Young, Number two, to the Houston Texans. Will Anderson, number three, to the Cardinals. We got Will Levis, number four, to the Indianapolis Colts. And then Miles Murphy, defensive end from Clemson, number five, to the Seahawks to round it out. That's my mock draft. More NFL draft coverage to come soon. Stay tuned. Now, let's do a little this and that. If you don't know what this and that is, it's why I bring up either two teams, two players, any leagues, any sports. And I say, would I rather have this player, this team, or this thing? Let's hop in. That's why it's called this or that. First, this or that this week is Julio Rodriguez or Adley Rushman. Two second-year players, one a generational catcher, one a generational talent in the outfield. It's tough for me right here because Adley Rushman can be a guy who stays in Baltimore forever, and Julio Rodriguez can be a guy who has a great career and leaves Seattle after eight years because it's Seattle, not really a desirable market for any top player. I'm going to go with Adley Rushman right here. I was about to say Julio Rodriguez. I changed my mind. I'm going to go with Adley Rushman because he can be the next Yadier Molina. He can be that guy who stays with you forever, can be your manager after. He can be kind of in that Orioles organization forever. That's kind of what he's doing right now, having a great start. Maybe gets his contract extension this year. Both these guys, I think are going to be superstars. Both these guys, I think can be Hall of Famers in their career. But if I had to pick, I would go with Adley Rushman. I know it's a bold take, but I think Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rushman can both be Hall of Famers. Kyrie Irving, or Jalen Brown, I'll switch over to NBA right here. Why I'm doing these two players, it seems a little bit random, is what if the Mavericks say, hey, Kyrie, hit the high road. We're going to get rid of this offseason. He says, okay, I'll just go to the Lakers. And they want to get a guy like Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, maybe he's a little bit sick of Boston, sick of the fans, sick of Jason Tatum, sick of the whole coaching situation that they've been on the past three years. And he says, why don't I just go play with Jason Kidd, play with Luka Doncic, and be the two best guards in the NBA? That could be a good thing right there. I would go with Jalen Brown over Kyrie Irving if I had to pick Fouls Dallas Mavericks. So Jalen Brown. Over Kyrie Irving. Now let's go over to the NFL. This one should be a little bit obvious. It's for the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill or Lamar Jackson? This is a no-brainer. If you would ever say Ryan Tannehill, you'd be wrong. It's Lamar Jackson. And you wouldn't have to give up too much. You'd give up 
a first round pick for this year, maybe a first round pick for next year, and maybe Malik Willis or somebody else in there, and you're done. You get Lamar Jackson, you have the best run game, maybe in NFL history with Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry. That's easy. That's such an easy pick for me right there. Lamar Jackson over Ryan Tannehill any day. They need to do his pick. I think they need to do it no matter what. Mike Vrabel, Lamar Jackson, that's a deadly duo. Max Scherzer or Jacob DeGrom? I think we've done this one before, but here's what I'm picking right now. Max Scherzer obviously was great for the New York Mets. Jacob DeGrom was great for the New York Mets. Now on a different team, Texas Rangers. I'm going to go with Max Scherzer. You want to know why? Max Scherzer has been dominant in the playoffs. Jacob DeGrom only has one career playoff win, and that was in the wildcard round. Obviously, Max Scherzer's latest playoff game was against San Diego Padres where he gave up seven runs and that was horrible. But like all the time we're talking, if we had to go down to a game seven situation, I would still take Max Scherzer over Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom could throw as many hundred mile an hour fastballs he wants. If Mookie Betts or Aaron Judge catches one of those, it's going long. It's going for a home run. No debate about it. I like Max Scherzer. Nastier stuff, in my opinion, than Jacob DeGrom. Last one right here, the Miami Heat or the Atlanta Hawks. Two teams. These teams could face off in the play-in as the 7-8 matchup, or maybe even the playoffs as a different matchup. I would right now go with the Atlanta Hawks. Quinn Snyder, great coach. Eric Spolstra, struggling a little bit with the Miami Heat. Obviously, Eric Spolstra has a great story. Legendary head coach. Won a championship before. Started from a video intern up to the championship. Has Jimmy Butler, who has been on and off this year. Has Udonis Haslam, who has been kind of the team coach, even though he's still a player. A little bit interesting. But this Miami Heat team... Doesn't really know their role. Neither does the Atlanta Hawks. Quinn Snyder came in there. He's done a good job. Trey Young, Deshante Murray, neither of these teams exceeded expectations this year. But if I had to pick one, I would pick the Atlanta Hawks. I like Trey Young. I like Deshante Murray over that guard duo of Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler right now in Miami. Just not playing to the extent they can. Obviously, this team is championship caliber. Both these teams can be championship caliber, arguably. But I like the Atlanta Hawks over the Miami Heat in any seven-game series. That's about for this or that this week. Leave your thoughts and comments. Now, at the buzzer, this week's at the buzzers, should Detroit Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey be fired? What really sticks out about Dwayne Casey outside of his one coach of the year win, where he had a great regular season and lost in the second round of the playoffs? What sticks out about him? Having a good team in Toronto? He didn't win any championships. He didn't win any Eastern Conference championships. The best thing he ever had in Toronto was a Game 6 series against LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the best thing he ever had in Toronto. Now he's in Detroit. Found no success in Detroit. And that Detroit team before that, I mean, they were borderline 8th seed, 7th seed every year. And then Dwayne Casey comes in there and doesn't do much. That's why I'm surprised right now. Because they have 16 wins this year. 16 wins. That's awful. That's horrible. This is a very bad team right now. They've lost 20 of their last 21 games. And you're probably going to get a generational talent like Victor Wimanyama. If you get Victor Wimanyama, that's a great duo for you right there. Because you have Kate Cunningham, Jalen Duren, that's a great duo right there in itself. You can plug Victor Wimanyama in there in that trio. That's a great trio right there. That's a great big three for years to come. Obviously, Kate Cunningham didn't play much this year. But still, Victor Wimanyama and Kate Cunningham, that's a great duo. Do you really want a guy like Dwayne Casey screwing that up? I don't know. Dwayne Casey really hasn't shown much, in my opinion, as a head coach with Detroit Pistons. Obviously, I'm not one to talk too much about NBA coaching, but I can see from the fan perspective that Dwayne Casey might need to go out in Detroit. We've seen some first-year head coaches find some success. Obviously, Will Hardy this year with the Utah Jazz. We've seen Mark Daigle not in his second year with the Oklahoma City Thunder have a good year. So, interesting thing right there. That's about for at the buzz this week. Now, best of last question today. This week's question is, who wins the Masters? The Masters start on Thursday. You obviously have the Par 3 competition on Wednesday. 
ends on Sunday. The green jacket, Jim Nance, hello friends, everything that we all love to see, traditions of the Masters. And if you're not a golf fan, the Masters is still amazing. Who wins the Masters this year? Last year was Scotty Scheffler. He's the betting favorite. This year, I'm going to go against the odds. I'm going to go with Rory McIlroy winning the Masters. Has come up so close in the past few years. 2018, really came in second, really had a great year, even though Patrick Lee won it that year. Came third last year when Scotty Scheffler won it. I think this year is Roy McIlroy's year. So scientific on the course, as everybody knows. I like Roy McIlroy to win it all this year in the Masters. Who's your Masters pick to win Augusta this year? Leave your thoughts in the comments section. That's about question day this week. That's about Squared Sports and Lane Frank, f 18 Thank you for tuning in. Follow Squared Sports on Instagram at Squared Sports. Follow Squared Sports on Twitter at Squared Sport. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for the best sports content in the world. We'll be back next week, f 19 Stay tuned.